0: That's sort of how I've been feeling the last couple days, not really sure of what to think, what to say. If you're a person who's into the social media thing, it's just blowing up right now with all kinds of stuff about you know, these two police shootings that we've, that we've witnessed via, via video phones and then, of course, the shooting of police officers in Dallas. Um... What's being overshadowed, of course, is, is 250 people being killed in Iraq, um, you know, and, and, other, and other things in, in the rest of the world. Uh, it feels like we're living in a time of great tumultuousness. And I think we are. I, I don't think that, I don't think it's simply just because of the media that we have instant access to everything, though I'm sure that helps. And that probably exacerbates things in some ways because we don't have a chance to to sort of absorb what's happening because it just keeps coming at us so quickly. And so, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just I begin to to look inside and to start thinking about how how am I living my life? How how do I contribute to? a culture or to a way of living that that separates me from other people, that that keeps me safe and secure, and my family safe and secure, or supposedly, and and, and sort of forgets about all the other things that are going on in the world, because that's um, I'd like to. <laughs> I'll just be really honest, I'd like to forget. And I'll also be really honest, I, I ha, I've had to cut back on my media consumption because I just can't. I can't every day take in that much pain and, and function. Just can't do it. And so the question then is, if, if, for those of us that are believers, if, if, if our life is to be centered on God, if, if we're supposed to have God at the center, how, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? And that's not an new question it's not a new question and so i want to read this um very familiar passage to you Um, it's in the gospel of luke the 10th chapter it begins with the 25th verse if you want to pull up a phone or whatever we'll 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 have it on the screen i believe um but you can you can follow along luke chapter 10 verses 25 to 37 and so listen listen here for maybe what God is speaking to you and to all of us in this. So just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Now it says a lawyer, and so it's someone who studied the law, which means he was really a scriptural scholar. So this is somebody who knew the, the, you know, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures that were around at the time, very, very well. I was studying them, knew them. Um, so he stood up to test Jesus. He says, teacher... What must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, in some ways he's saying, what, what must I do? How must I live? What, how, do I, how do I stay in close contact with what God would want for me? Even though it's a very personalized, individualistic kind of question. You know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I, how must I live my life in order to be close to God? And so Jesus says, of course, well, what's written in the law, lawyer? I mean, what's, what do you find in the scriptures? And all of you should be able to probably answer. What answers, right? So let's do it. Love the Lord your your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So with your whole being, love God and love neighbor. Jesus says, well, of course, you've given the right answer. I mean, that, that is this, uh, I mean, Jesus at another time says, this is, the, this is, on these two things hang all the law and the prophets. That everything, everything is encapsulated right here. If, 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 you, if you don't get any other message from Jesus, in a sense, I think, though there are, there are, there are some other nuances that we would want to add here, this is what Jesus teaches us. He wasn't really introducing anything hugely new, at least in terms of the teaching here. This was was central to the the faith of the Jewish people. You've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will inherit eternal life or lasting life, whatever that, whatever that, that particularly means. And that may be for another time. But wanting to justify himself... Right? right, isn't this it? I mean, okay, well, love God, love my neighbor. Well, I like my neighbor next door. He's a pretty nice guy. I wish he'd cut down that tree so it doesn't keep falling on my house every time the wind comes through, you know? I wish he'd, wish he'd take that hooptie out of the yard. Do I have to define hooptie for people? I had to do that one time. Nobody knew what a hoopty was. You know, that car that's up on blocks. You know, maybe you don't live in that neighborhood. I do. Um, <laughs> Sometimes it's my car, but that's another thing. <laughs> Wanting to justify himself. He wants details. He's a lawyer, right? Let's parse terms. What do we mean by neighbor? Who's the neighbor? So Jesus replied, and I mean, has anybody not heard this parable of the Good Samaritan? I mean, I, we... We, we hear it so often, we sometimes sort of forget it, I think. And I think I even preached on this earlier in the year, but it, I mean, you know, doesn't get old. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Oh, and I love it. I love it when somebody asks Jesus the question and answers with a story. Or another question. It's, it's beautiful. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. Now, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is much different in some ways today, than, than it was then, but it's still, it's still a major, I mean, it, it, then it was still a major road. Today, it's a major road. It's like a, I mean, it's like a four-lane four divided highway, and it goes through the hills, and once you get, once you, you don't get too far out of Jerusalem, and you realize why it could be very, very dangerous, is because it's just, it's very hilly, and sort of barren hills, and and there are lots of places. If if you were if you know if they had just sort of carved it naturally out of out of what what the land was giving them, there would be lots of places for people to hide and to jump you. I mean, and that's what happened on this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. There there was it, it was just known in this time to be not not a safe road, and so you didn't you didn't generally travel at night. You you know you, you usually didn't travel alone. But there was a lot of commerce that went back and forth on this road. So a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And, it, and I love it. Jesus doesn't ever say anything about who this man is. It just says, a man. It doesn't say whether he's a Jew or a Gentile or, or a Samaritan or, or whether he's you know, a, a Cretan or an African. He doesn't say anything about it. It just says, a man. He was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a Presbyterian, thought I'd get your attention there, it's a P word, The priest, a priest was going down the road. Now, for Jesus' audience here, you know, just think, you've got a bunch of, you have a bunch of, of, of uptight, I mean upright, Jewish folks, right? I mean, these are the good people. These are, these are your neighbors and mine, you know. These are, these are the people who go to church, synagogue. They, you know, they, they worship the living God. And so they hear priest and they're thinking, oh, well, this is a priest. This is one who's righteous, who, who seeks to follow the law. By chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Bless you. He passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, different member of, I mean, they were of the priestly class, the Levites. They were the ones who were, who were given, the, um, the sons of Levi were supposed to help run the temple. So they were also seen as holy and set apart, of course, just like all the Jewish people, but in a special way. And he came to the place and saw him, and he passed by on the other side. but a Samaritan. Now, so I want to go back to this. So, so you have a Presbyterian, you know, pre- passing by. you got a, you got a Pentecostal passing by. And then you have a Muslim who comes along now. Trying to put this in more modern terms. Samaritans were, by the Jews anyway, were seen as despicable, horrible people. They were, they're actually related. Um, the Samaritans were the ones left after Samaria was taken over by another, another group. They were the, they were the, they were the remnants of the Jews that were left there and they stayed there. And to this day, they still worship Yahweh on, I believe it's. I think it's Mount Gerizim, and I was there. Um, I didn't see any Samaritans, but it's a very small group now. But but they're still there. So they so they they still they believed in the in the Ten Commandments and the Torah, and but they but they believed that God could be worshipped on, on on this mountain and not that mountain, and so that's why they were they were sort of cast out. They were seen as unclean. They 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 were just seen as despicable. And I use, I use Muslim just because I think that, that we, we sort of, we're really good, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, I'm really good at, um, at grouping people into classes, especially based on the color of their skin, or you know, where they live. And that's basically what they did here. Was Samaritans, it was because of where they lived and how they worshiped that they were seen as this despicable group of people. So, so right away, right away, Jesus is... I mean, they're probably like Ooh, a Samaritan. What's he going to do? Is he going to going is he going to kill him and eat him? I mean, who knows what they thought? I mean, maybe you said zombie. I don't know. I mean, some sort of crazy thing that they're that they're thinking. Yeah, you know, but a drug dealer came by, but a pimp came by. You know, whatever. Some, somebody, something. Just imagine the, the, something that would really get you worked up. And he was moved with pity. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. So he's trying to clean him up. He's trying to give him some salve. He puts him on his own animal. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. We don't know how big this guy was. We don't know what kind of animal the guy had. Maybe he had a donkey, whatever. But he's probably has. He, he maybe he has goods on his animal that the animal's already weighed down, and so now he puts a, a this hum, this other human being on his animal and weighing him down. I mean, he's he's already putting his livelihood in sense at, in peril because he's stopping to help someone. He doesn't know if this is a trap. He doesn't know what's going on here. He puts, he puts this person on his own animal. He risks himself personally, financially, all of that here, after already bandaging and wounds. I mean, he's out in, the, I'm assuming, sort of out in the open. Where'd the robbers go? He's still this one man with, the, with this guy who's, who's, who's hurting here. We don't know whether he's conscious or not. He put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So he stops his whatever he's doing, puts him on his own animal, takes him to the inn, takes care of him, and stays there the night. And then he takes two days' wages, two denarii, gives them to the innkeeper and says, take care of him. When I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. I don't know about you, but I'm not giving anybody my credit card. I mean, that's what he just did, basically. He trusted the innkeeper to continue to take care of the man and to do the right thing and to keep a tally and, so that he could take care of it. I mean, wow. Take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these do, three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? That's the thing. We often think that the neighbor... Is the, is the guy who gets hurt. Jesus actually asks, who's the neighbor of the three people who pass by? And he says, the one who showed him mercy. So in some sense he says, the neighbor is someone that you would, might least expect. If you're going to love God and love your neighbor, the neighbor might be the someone that you might least expect, someone who's completely out of the realm of your experience, of being someone that you would trust to do the right thing, who would do the right thing. And Jesus says to him, "Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise." I mean, and I know for you, for you and, and for me, in, in general, if we think about this story in, the, in sort of the strictest of terms, I mean, if we see, if we see somebody who is, is beaten up and is hurting along the side of the road or, or you know, somewhere, we're at least going to give it a good thought to stop. We might stop, depending on where it is, what time of the day it is, and, right? I mean... And yesterday, we were, we were driving, and at an intersection here, was, it was, you know, it was 90, goodness degrees, and whatever the humidity was, and, and, and we pull up, and there's a car, I don't know if it was overheated, or, or what it was, at an intersection, of course, busy intersection, and, and, and we drive by, and I'm like, are there kids in that car? Little kids? And Jennifer's like, yeah. And I'm like, do we need to turn around? And she's like, no, there are two adults there, they look like they're fine, two kids, they'll be able to, whatever. All right, Good. We justified our way out of helping, is what we did. I mean, she was right, but should we have stopped? Maybe. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I mean, Henry Nowen said that um, we mostly know what the loving thing to do is. And I don't know what he said after that, but I would say, but we often have the hardest time doing it. We often know what the, most, what the loving thing to do is. We just have the hardest time doing it. I don't know how many of you have, have friends, good friends, who are of a different race, a different color. Um, I know some of you, some of you do. Um, I don't. And it's not because I haven't tried. It's hard to make friends who come from a different world than, than, than you do. I mean, I'm just, I'm still just a a dumb white boy from Nebraska, you know? I mean, I have all kinds of presuppositions about how life's supposed to be lived and, and, and all of that. And, and I've, and I have colleagues who, who are of of different races and classes and colors. And, and I've really, I've, I've done, I've tried, you know, but maybe not so much. I get caught up in my life. I've got a church to lead. I've got a family to lead. I've, I feel like sometimes I'm just barely keeping my head above the water. I don't know about you, and we can get so caught up in that that we sort of forget what's asked of us: love God, love your neighbor. That if our lives are going to be centered on God, that ought to be some, somehow, some way written on our hearts. And that we seek to find ways. And I think, even, I think today, maybe now more than ever, it is incumbent upon us, those of us who look like this, to seek ways to reach out to those who don't look like this. And it's not going to be easy. We've been trying this racial reconciliation thing a long time. we got a long way to go. And we're going to have to stand with those people, the people that we would say marg- are marginalized, who are sort of pushed to the edge. We're also going to have to stand with police officers, who right now are, are, are getting beat up pretty badly as well. And we have to realize that we can do both. One of the messages I've liked that's been coming out over the, over the Facebooks and the the Instagrams and all that, recently is, listen, people, just because you say black lives matter doesn't mean that blue lives don't matter. We've got to be able to learn to live with a paradox of one thing and the other. But here's the thing for those of us who are Christian. We already, in some ways, are supposed to believe that. That Jesus... In his resurrection and in his, in his ascension has already is the first fruits of the one who has already set the world right. That, that in his resurrection, that is God's no to violence and to exclusion. That, it is God's, that the resurrection and the ascension is God's yes to love and to hope, to lifting up all people together into the kingdom that in some way the kingdom is already here, even though it's not yet here. That it is both and. That we believe that there is something going on in this universe that is beyond our sight and our knowing, but we know it, if that makes any sense that heaven is not some spiritual realm way off there, up there, that God is just disinterested in what's going on, but that some, in some way, somehow, through the Spirit, Jesus is present with us in the here and now, calling us to reconciliation. Yes. Calling us forward. Calling us to put people on our own animal. Which is going to put us at risk. Just know that. It's going to be difficult. But we believe in one who put himself completely at risk for us, for all people. He gave his life that we might know that death is not the end. That being vulnerable and risking is rewarded by God with an eternal life, and I don't mean an eternal life up in heaven, but a life lived in the midst of God's presence in each and every moment. One commentator, when I was reading this, said the Samaritan was already living in the kingdom because when he was moved with pity, he showed mercy to someone he didn't have to. He was already living out of that love God and love neighbor in a powerful way, even before the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so today, brothers and sisters, I think it is a day to examine our lives to maybe make some space to make some new friends to cross the lines, as it were to reach out to others to realize that it's not just going to take one time. It's not going to be one conversation. It's not going to be one going to one meeting. That depending on what God is calling you to do, it may take years and years and it may feel like nothing is happening. But I think it's incumbent upon us Christians to be the ones to lead the charge because we are the ones who've been given this charge from the very beginning. Love God and love your neighbor. Amongst the some of the things that have been happening in our world recently, you know, this thing love is love is love is love is love. I don't know if you've seen that thing going on. But I'd like to insert a little something in there. To love God is to love neighbor is to love God is to love neighbor is to love God. They just go hand in hand. So may you know this, your life is already held in the kingdom. Your life is already safe and secure with the king of the universe. And so when you are risking yourself, you're walking with God and you're loving God and you're loving your neighbor. So know that. But also to have a life centered on God, we must always be asking, What must I do? And to listen for the answer that Jesus gives us. Let's pray.